Well, kia ora. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. It is good to be in church, isn't it? Good. That's, that's, that's a good answer, I think. Because really, I don't know how your week has been. I've, I've caught up with you, a few of you this morning and, you know, how the last few days have been. But I, I really, I don't know how it's truly been. I only know the answer that you've given me. I don't know how much sleep you got this week. I don't know who was rude to you this week, what disappointments you faced, the phone call you received that you just weren't expecting with some not great news. But I am glad to see you this morning, that we have the chance to connect again, that you've made time in the busyness of your life, because I know if your life is anything like mine, there is a lot of things competing for my attention, that you have made space to be in church this morning. You've made space to gather with other believers. Put yourself in a position of faith. I don't know the wins you've had this week, the deals you've closed, or the promotion you got. I don't know the moments that made you laugh, or the ones that made you cry. But still, I get to see your face set, hopefully smiling back at me in church today. Because whether it's been a conscious decision on your half or not, you've positioned yourself at the end of the week together with other believers to worship God, to hear his word spoken and to encourage one another, to pray for each other and possibly to share morning tea as well. And so I am pleased and grateful to see you this morning. As you'll be aware The last two weeks, we've begun a series, Broken for Purpose. And if you haven't had the chance to catch up, either you weren't here or you haven't caught up online, I encourage you to do that. You can do that on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. But just for a few moments this morning, I want to kind of catch you up on where we've come from and then speak into what I see as a part of Broken for Purpose. The series, Broken for Purpose, recognizes that we all face pain and hurt. Life sucks sometimes. Disappointments, hardships, pain are all part of our world. And many of you will know that we, f- we live in a fallen world, in a place that is broken, in the place that we live and we grow families and we work and we do all these other things. Now I can tell you that God does not send the pain. He does not create the hurt that you are feeling. It's simply just not in his character or in his nature to do it. But we do know that God can never waste the pain. Sure, he is God and he can stop it at any point. That's one of the perks about being God. But sometimes God will allow things around us against us or by us to mold us, to grow us, to become more like him, pain for his purposes. And so often in church, if you've been around church, you'll hear the victory that we have in Christ. Jesus came, he lived, he died, and then he rose victorious. And now we have the full freedom, the authority, the victory in Christ. Yes! And it's true. We do have freedom and victory 
in Christ. Jesus did come to repair, to restore the separation that had happened between us and God by the mistakes and brokenness in our lives. That is true. But at no point did God promise that our lives would be easy or perfect or pain-free. The brokenness is still around us, still perpetrated against us, and sometimes even by us. Yes, we have been made righteous by Christ. We are now overcomers. When we place our faith in Jesus and declare that he is Lord in our hearts, and that God raised him from the dead, that we declare he's Lord, believe in our hearts, that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. We are, full stop. Our brokenness then does not become a salvation issue. But God loves us so much that he won't allow us to stay the way we are. We are to grow to become more like Christ, to act more like Christ, to treat others more like Jesus, to serve more like him, and to love more like our Savior. So God does not send the hurt, but he may allow it for his purposes to be outworked, for you and I to become more like Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look at the brokenness in my own life, or in the lives of those around me, I can ask and sometimes think, what could possibly be the purpose of this? What are you thinking, God? How could there possibly be a plan or a purpose in this mess, in the mistakes that I've made, in the things that I've experienced, and what I've been told? How could you have a plan or a purpose in the middle of all of this? And then we know in our heads that we can trust God, that he is good, that he is in control, that he knitted us together in our mother's womb, that he breathed and stars were formed. We can understand who God is, that he sent his son for the salvation of the world. But what could possibly be the purpose in this situation? How could this really bring out your purpose or make me more like Christ? How does being sick really have a purpose? How does losing a job really help me become more like Christ? Why did this person die so soon? Why this diagnosis? Why did I miss out on that job or family time or whatever it may be for you? There's so much that we might just not know. What is God's purpose in the midst of our pain? What I love is that God gave us his word, the Bible, God's words written down, useful for teaching, preaching, and instruction, and living right to, Timothy tells us. But you only have to look a few chapters in at any part of the Bible to find people who also, like you and me, dealt with hurt and pain. You can read pretty much any of the Psalms and David and others who wrote them, cry out to God, why have you left me, God? Have you abandoned me forever. Why do you turn your face away from me, God? So just for a moment, let's turn to Psalm 31. And here we find David crying out to God. He says, be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. 
My life is consumed by anguish and my tears and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I was dead. I have become like broken pottery. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but anyone else feel like that sometimes? Your strength is failing because you we don't have the strength in our own strength. Feel forgotten like broken pottery. The object of dread for my closest friends, abandoned by those closest to me. We can feel so broken, so forgotten, like pottery, like broken pottery to be thrown away. Worthless. And yet, God does not waste our pain. He does not waste any moments of our lives. You may feel alone. You may feel forgotten. You may groan and feel like your strength is failing in the face of affliction like David. But God has not forgotten you. That's not just a nice line that someone says on a Sunday to encourage you, but God has not forgotten you. He sees your pain. He knows what you face. He knows the things that you journey with, the the struggles that you face, and he has not forgotten you. He remembers you. He is close to you, and he will not waste. What can be meant for harm, God will work for good. David, facing great trouble, pain and hurt, feels like his strength is failing in the, great, in the face of great affliction. But by the end of the psalm, reading further down through the psalm, it's an interesting psalm, but David finishes with this in psalm, psalm 31, last part from 21, says this, Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love. When I was in a city under siege, in my alarm, I'd said, I'm cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. David says, despite my feelings, even though I feel cut off in a city under siege, I will praise the Lord. Even though I walk through hard times, I will praise the Lord. Even though it doesn't make sense sometimes, I will praise the Lord. Even when it hurts, I will praise the Lord. 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 It's a declaration he's making over his own life, over his own feelings, over the stuff that has happened to him, the stuff that is happening around him, the stuff that he has done, the own, the own brokenness that he has brought to the table. He's still saying, I will praise the Lord. I know you as my Savior, and so I will praise the Lord. Some of you will know that once upon a time, I was a primary school teacher a number of years ago. And uh, one year I was working in the school. I loved being a teacher. I got to work with young people, which for I know many people was like, but I I loved it. And I got to work with young people and I got to uh, teach them and I got to hang out with them every day and I had a good job and I was in a great school. But one year I was in a school and let's just say that things didn't quite go as well as I was thinking that they would. 
Each day I would come home, I'd put my bag, because every teacher has a school bag, of course, my bag by the door, I'd get a drink from the kitchen, I'd make my way to the living room, and I'd lie down on the floor in the fetal position, and I'd lie there for hours. Every day I was emotionally beaten down by some of the other people who worked for that school. I had teachers yell at me, dressed down by the deputy principal, for not being harsh enough on the students that so desperately needed compassion and not locked in a room or yelled at again. I was told off for being away when I'd been granted time away. I was encouraged to try new things and then reprimanded for trying new things. I was told to yell more at the children and among a whole lot of other factors and people abusing the, the power that they kind of had over me, I was slowly but surely being forced into compliance and their way of thinking. Over my time there, my class was taken away from me and I was given a brand new class with more children with more severe behavior problems than before. I had to evacuate my class at least once a week because children were throwing everything they could lay their hands on across the room. And then I was told it was my problem. I spent many hours over many evenings putting my classroom back together and ensuring that my other students were safe. I realized in the midst of my tiredness and confusion that I had great compassion for these kids. I had taken time to know the stories of the young people in my class. I knew of their home lives. I knew of what they had witnessed at home. And I knew that sometimes a hug would speak so much louder than raising my voice ever would. But that year, there were so many times, most days, as I lay on my living room floor that I wanted to give up. There were times I didn't want to go back to school the next day and cried in my flatmate's arms. Don't make me go back and face that again. There were times that I thought I'd make the total wrong decision to be a teacher. That everyone who had encouraged me to do so was perhaps naive or worse, had lied to me. That the passion I had for young people to serve them was misplaced and maybe I wasn't up to it. But I knew that those kids needed someone to speak hope into them. I knew they needed an adult to encourage them. I knew they needed a positive male to demonstrate love to them. I knew that they needed someone to keep showing up for them day in and day out, regardless of how hard it got. To not give up, but to keep having hope. To realize my purpose was not just to educate young people on reading, writing, and arithmetic, but to show the love of Christ to the young people in my class, through all the challenges that so many teachers face and the trouble I was personally having with some of the management in that school, the difficulties that my kids faced having to abandon their classroom because they were in danger, they needed someone who was a constant. Looking back now, I can see there was purpose in that year. It was for my kids. And then there was purpose in that year for me as well when I was learning resilience, to keep turning up even when it was hard. There were times, many times, I didn't feel like there was great purpose of me working in that school being treated the way I was being treated. But now I can see purpose in that season. And I would walk through that pain again so I could love and serve my kids that year over and over again.
Now, there has been, just as a, as a side note, there has been some restoration I had over the coming years since. I've had different board members from that school come and apologize to me. They had no idea what was going on, and there was a whole lot of other things. But the pain of that year felt so wasted in that moment. I wasn't seeing great transformation in the lives of my young people. I didn't see their home lives shift. I didn't hear stories of how they had experienced the love that I could offer them and then gone on to great things. I didn't see that. But being a constant hope, being a constant presence in that school, I could see purpose for the lives of my young people. And it's a pain I would walk through again and again. Paul writes in Philippians, Paul went through a whole lot of pain himself, and he writes this, I know what it is to be in need. I now know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every season, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. We can walk through any season, long or short, prosperous or with great pain, through him who gives us strength. It's not in our own understanding. It's not in our own might, because sometimes I simply don't have the strength. I simply don't have the understanding. In Psalm 31, remember David said, my strength fails because of my affliction. And that's it. It's not in our own strength. There are so many things that we are strong enough for, that we're not strong enough for. But God is. Hurt and pain that I don't get. Why would God do that? I'm not strong enough to keep walking on my own, but with him, by the power of the Holy Spirit walking with us. We keep our eyes on the eternal answer of yes, you are healed. Yes, you are restored. We might not see that healing. We might not see that restoration. We might not see that brokenness come to wholeness in this side of eternity. But we can look to the future and we can say, Jesus, if we've put our trust and our hope in you, you have promised us eternity with you. And there you've said there's no more hurt. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. And so, yes, there is an answer to our cries. There is an answer to our brokenness. And yes, God might answer it this side of the grave. But he says, regardless whether I do it now or there, it's promised to you. You just have to put your trust in me. Fully restored. That we're promised through Christ. So many things that we don't understand and we just, we don't have to. God sees all of time. He sees all generations. He can see all of it at once in his perfect perspective. Nothing surprises him. Or nothing, and nothing disqualifies him, disqualifies us from the opportunity to choose Jesus. He doesn't look at the brokenness in your life or the brokenness in my life against us, around us, or by us and go, well, look what's happened there. There's no way you can have Jesus. He says, despite all of that, he says, I've already sent my son for you. Simply put your trust in him and then in his strength, we can face any affliction that comes our way. I have a notebook a prayer journal for my big prayers. 
My heart's cry is mostly for things that I just don't understand, that I have to put my full trust back in God for, because there's no way I could do anything in my own strength. I write my prayers down, prayers for my family, prayers on behalf of others, of my friends, because, I've also have fa- because I also have the faith that God answers them, that he will answer them this side of eternity. And if he does, I can look back, read, and testify to a good and gracious God. But even if he doesn't, even if I take the mystery of pain and disappointment to the grave with me, I will choose to get up and declare that God is good, and I will praise the Lord. So God doesn't waste any pain. Can I invite the band to come back and join me? If you're a part of a life group in the last couple of weeks, you may have watched the study that we're doing in Broken for Purpose from Carl and Ange. And there was a comment that continued to resonate with me in the mind about God being the God of generations and ancestors. If you knew that you had to walk through pain, if you were to face the brokenness in your life and trust God, knowing that its purpose was for your children, for your grandchildren, for your great-grandchildren, for another generation, would you? And that stuck out to me because I go, sure, I would do it on behalf of other people because I love other people. I love another generation. But so often I want it to be for my purpose. If I knew it was for another generation, well, that's easy because I know that it's for someone. But I want the purpose to be for me. God, I'm walking through this now. What are you doing with my life? What is my purpose right now in the midst of pain? And sometimes God will reveal it. Sometimes God will make known his purpose. Sometimes in a year's time or 10 years' time, he'll Go, look how much you grew. Look how much you put your faith and put me back center of your life. Look how much this happened. Look how much you, so many things that he might have outworked his purpose through us. But also in 10 or 20 years, we could look and go, I still can't see the purpose, God. Still doesn't make sense to me. One day we could be lying on our deathbed And it still doesn't make sense. And maybe God's saying it's your pain is for someone else's purpose. That maybe one day a great-grandchild will look back and say, my grandma, she continued to trust in God despite the circumstances she faced. Wow, you should have seen my dad. When life really hit him hard, he still said, I will praise the Lord. Wow, you didn't see my colleague at work. They went through unimaginable pain. So much disappointment, and yet they still had hope. Your pain and your purpose, if you will just get up every day and say, I will praise the Lord no matter what I face. I will praise the Lord in the midst of pain, in the midst of the pit of despair when I face afflictions of any kind. I will praise the Lord. I will still choose that he is good. I will still choose to put him center of my life. Maybe that purpose will outwork in your life, but maybe it won't. Maybe those around us will simply look at you and say, there, 
That is the purpose. There's the hope. They can still live with purpose, so I'll put my trust in Jesus. What is going on in their life, I'll put my trust in Jesus. Maybe they'll begin to ask questions. Maybe you'll invite them to an alpha course. Wow, in the midst of your pain, someone else has come to know faith. And maybe you'll get to see that. And isn't that awesome? And maybe you won't. Maybe in the midst of pain, God's still outworking his plans and purposes one generation to another. Maybe the stories that'll be told of your life will be one that give others great purpose. God does not forget you. God has remembered you. God does not send pain. God does not send brokenness. We live in a fallen world where I don't understand the answers sometimes. I don't get it. I've got a book that I write them down, my questions for God. But I'll choose to put my trust in Him, that His plans, His purposes are greater than mine. His perspective is more perfect than I could ever understand. I'll walk through pain for others' purpose so they might know and see Christ alive in me. My pain for others' purpose so that they might see Christ alive in me. Would you stand with me this morning? Just a moment, we're going to spend another time of worship And as I started my message this morning, I said, I really don't know how your week has been. I don't know what afflictions you face, what disappointments you face, what diagnosis you face. I know some of your stories, but there's always so much more than we could ever have in a conversation or a catch-up. I'd love to catch up and say, here, I know some answers. This is what God says. Sometimes God reveals and other times... He just says, trust me. Sometimes I wish there was a better answer than that. But as we worship, would you again give God that opportunity to reveal himself to you? Say, God, this is what I'm facing. This is what's happening around me. This is what's happening to me. But also, is there stuff in your own life? You're going, this is not helping my relationship with Christ. This is not helping others see Christ in me. There's brokenness, sin, making, uh, failings, mistakes that I've made. God, would you come and restore them? You have access to my life. Lord, I'll walk through the pain of dealing with my stuff for someone else's purpose so they can see Christ alive in me. God does not waste your pain. He remembers where you are. And he promises a yes, a full restoration one day. One day. Let's sing and worship.